Hi, this is Chris Finwood, and you're listening to The Monarchist. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Monarchist Podcast. Tonight, we have C.B. Wilkins, unofficial photographer for the Old Dominion baseball team. If you guys follow ODU baseball and you come to the bud, you know who CB is. And we don't know anyone besides Coach Finwood who knows this baseball team better than CB. Welcome to the show, CB. Hey, glad to be here. Very excited. You guys are great. Thanks for joining us, CB. Could you could you tell people how you got involved with ODU baseball? Absolutely. When I was in high school back in the 90s, my dad and I used to come to games. So we'd see those great Coach Guzzo teams with guys like uh, Mac Rotaro and Tim Hummel. And then I, when I went to college, I actually went to UNC Charlotte originally. And I was there from about 99 to 05 in and out of college. So the one era of ODU baseball I didn't actually get to see and experience was Justin Verlander time. I was not here. I didn't, I never saw him pitch, never met. So big mistake on my part for not coming back every now and then watching a game. But then when I came, moved back home in about 05 to come finish up my degree, transferred to Old Dominion. Um, I started going back to games at the ballpark. I had a little junky little cool pics camera that I would come out and take pictures with that at the time, you know, I thought they're really great. And I look at them now, it's like, I would erase that. It's, they look horrible, but the players all really appreciate it. You know, nobody's taking pictures of them. And up until about a few years ago, nobody's taking pictures of them. I, I was actually at a game this year. I think there were about seven photographers and I, I was talking to big Mike, the ground screw guy, and our Mike Conrad, our great groundskeeper. And I said, man, remember when I was the only guy out here taking pictures? And he's like, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So <laughs> Well, that's all. That's great, CB. I, de- I know Keith Lucas is a, another photographer that's around quite a bit. Really good. But really. Yeah, he's a he's a talented guy, as as you are. And I've always appreciated you, not only being a great photographer, but promoting the program on Twitter. You, you're a great promoter of the program that we all love, and thank you for that. So, CB, we, we kind of want we want to kind of go back to the season and do a kind of a recap. So maybe talk about your high points, your low points, and your surprises of the season. Like, which players you, you didn't expect to come out firing the way they did? Well, we're gonna, I mean, surprises immediately, you start with Blake Morgan. I mean, Absolutely. I know, you know, we knew he was a good good ball player. Um, I got a chance to see him last year up in New Jersey when he was still in high school. I didn't get to see him pitch. Uh, but I knew, knew he was a great kid. You know, I was very excited about him coming in and getting to, getting to hang out with him for the year. He didn't really know what a good kid he is, but. I think you can't expect a, a freshman to come in and be was eight and zero with a one six nine ERA leading the leading the conference. Uh, you, you that's a surprise. There's no there's no way to put around it. I mean, you, you knowing a kid's good and saying, well, he's going to do that. That's just not realistic. So third straight CUSA freshman of the year. That's amazing. I really didn't realize that was happening until they, they started saying that when he got the award. So that's that's that was something special. That's definitely a surprise. That one jumped out. And frankly, you know. Matt Kootenay, of course, is a surprise. You know, he always been a good player. Uh, he's one of those guys, I thought he was a borderline pro player before. You could very easily see a scout looking at him and say, okay, I want to take him. I thought he'd be very successful as a pro. But to go from that to, you know, 12 home runs in, you know, a season and a quarter to 27 this year. I mean, that's that's unreal. The guy, I mean, I don't know if people realize this. You know, Andy Gariola, he set the career mark for home runs this season. So he had 25 this year. 
He's got 49 all time. So that broke the old record of 38. Matt Cooney is second all time in Old Dominion home runs. <laughs> he has 39, right? Like you don't realize that he had 27 this year. It gives him 39 for his career. He's the second all time home run hitter in Old Dominion history. Like that's how that's ridiculous the season it is. It is. And, yeah. and Andy, Andy did that in a shorter period of time, didn't he? I mean, that's then than the previous Andy record holder. Had three seasons. Yeah, yeah. three seasons. And, um, yeah, Ron Wright had three seasons also, but then Josh Wright, who was no, it was Gassell. Yeah, it was Gassell. It was Gassell. Tony Gassell was with Tony Gassell and Josh Wright, and they both did. I know. I think Gassell had three seasons, and Josh Wright had four. He was a he was a fascinating player. That guy played. He started at four different positions in all four seasons. One year he was the every, everyday second baseman, then he was the everyday first baseman, everyday center fielder, and everyday shortstop in four years. Phenomenal. And the single home run. Uh, single season home run record that fell this year was also right. held by a very interesting fellow that played a lot of positions, right? Yeah, Ron Walker. Yeah, Ron Walker yeah. was um, so he he had two records dropped this year. He had the single season home run record of twenty, which both Andy and uh, Matt Cootney broke, and then he had the career record of saves that he had seventeen saves, and Noah Dean got his eighteenth save this year, broke that record. Yeah, Ron was a um, – he was a guy I got to see there when I was in high school. He was a third baseman and closer, phenomenal ball player, had a had a nice career in the, in the minors, had a really amazing season with Daytona down there in A-ball for the Cubs. Career kind of, you know, fizzled out just how his things happen. And I, he, he actually it's – it's a sad story. He passed away in a car crash in New Jersey. And yeah. I want to say it was like 06. It was a few years after he's done playing. So it was nice this year to be able to talk to guys and tell them, hey, you know, you're – you're breaking this guy's record and, and you get to bring up this a really great, really great guy, a really historic ball player for us. It's great that you know, you've been around the program for quite some time and you, you know and you respect the history and you're able to re- relay that to the to the new generations of monarchs that are coming in. So as as these guys are breaking records or they're getting close to them, they don't even they don't necessarily know the story, their history behind it. For, so for you to be able to share that with them. I mean, that, that's super cool. I know if, if I were playing and I had someone telling me about this stuff, it, it really, you know, would connect me to the program even more. I, I think a lot of the guys that really appreciate that, you know, talking to guys like Noah, Dean, and, and Andy, and, and Heartline, some of these guys about, you know, these records they're breaking, and they, they do appreciate that fact. I mean, we had, we had so many – I actually wrote down a list here of some of these things. We had, as I said, Andy and Tootie with the home runs. Trice has 31 homers. He's got a good shot at breaking Andy's record next year. Tommy Bell, 51 hit by pitches. Obliterated the old record. Jason, Jason. That is not, that is not a, that is, sorry. We'll get back to Jason, but that record is not one that I would want to have. It's he, you could see there in the, in the conference tournament, how he was so frustrated. He got hit and you could tell he's, he was so over it. That's one thing Tommy will hopefully never have to get hit by a pitch. Again. I mean, it's at some at some point, you know, you get that record and you're kind of like, hey, this is cool. But then every incremental pitch after that has got to just start pissing you off. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to continue to extend this record. So it's never beat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what he, he had 11 this year. Yeah, he had 11. So he broke the record early on because it, it was 42. So he, he definitely he had he's a lot sure. of hit by pitches. Yeah, I, I was I was. He, he really piled it on there. Make sure no one's touching that record anytime soon. <laughs> and damn, damn straight, I'm watching. I'm watching the game. I'm streaming it on my phone. We had gone out of town, and I told my wife, and she said, "Damn, it, he should be sponsored by Target." 
uh, get an NIL deal. <laughs> that's a great one. That was a really good one. Yeah, when he started using the um, the guard on the knee, that's when you knew it was bad. It's like this you're getting hit way too often. So I was gonna say Jason, I would say Jason Hartline, 102 of career appearances, beating Jake Joseph's 94. I mean, that's that's a great record. Andy Gariola, 214 RBIs. That puts him second place all time. So Todd Azar, 258. He did that in four seasons. So and then Finney, 328 wins. He's the second all time behind uh, Bud Matheny with 423. So he's got you know, we give him sometime around 2025. Finney's got a good shot at breaking the school record for wins. I mean, that's the, the stuff they did in the last couple of years is just phenomenal. It's unreal what these guys were able to do. And it makes you wonder, like Andy, clearly, he, I mean, he is so productive his whole career. It makes you wonder what he could have done in the four years had he not had to sit out that uh, sophomore season. Yeah. Well, I think he wouldn't have been here this year. I think I, I, it was honestly crazy to me that he was here, that he was draft eligible last year. I don't know what teams, what do you, what do you see in a six foot five power hitting pretty solid outfielder? It's not like he's, he's a pretty good outfielder for a guy who haven't played first base until he got here, never played the outfield to show the show. I don't know what pro teams, that was the one where maybe when, when he and Tommy Bell were not drafted and were back here, that made me go, I used to know, have a good idea what pro teams want. And now I don't have any idea anymore. I don't, I don't get it. Other than Blake, I was really surprised by Kyle Edwards this year. I, I thought he did a fantastic job filling in for Tommy and uh, Chris at second and short when he need, when he was needed. Uh, he was such a reliable glove and arm in the field. He's kind of a relevation in the, in the field this year. What do you think? I love Kyle. I, I'm so happy you brought him. I love Kyle Edwards. I've been watching that kid since he was like 14 years old. I saw him play all through high he played it he played at salem high school he played two years at cape henry and last year at cox so i got to see him at all three places he won the state championship at cox he has always been a phenomenal fielder I mean, he was a guy I like talking to finney about him so he's the next zach rutherford uh, just a really good fielder the hitting it's i, I mean i'm looking here this, i got the stats in front of him, hit 158 this year i don't know how he hit 158 i know he got a, in a hole a deep hole kind of at the start he was really scuffling there but I mean the guy was hitting line drives all the time he's going to be a really really good baseball player and like you said defensively I mean you're not missing a beat you're gonna go straight from you're basically gonna have to go from Zach Rutherford to Tommy Bell to Kyle Edwards and that's just gonna be years and years of phenomenal shortstop play I mean it's yeah I, I'm really glad you pointed him out I love Kyle Edwards he's, he's such a good kid he's such a good ball player and I agree and, and he, you know he probably wasn't going to get that much playing time. If it wasn't for injuries to Dangler, if it wasn't for injuries to Bell, he wouldn't be out there. But it's good that he was able to get it because now he's going to come into 2023 really ready to go. Going to get to play summer ball this year for the Charlottesville Tom Sox, and they always have a really high quality of play, high expectations. Guys come back better when they play there. So that, that's a great I'm – I'm glad you brought him up. I love Kyle. He made some phenomenal plays, phenomenal plays in the tournament. I mean, just – uh, the sky's the limit here. I, I agree with you guys 100%. Another guy I was su really surprised by, and I can't wait to see how he develops, is Gomez. That's another guy that I love. You're, you're, you're like reading my mind here. Gomez was my, <laughs> my pick before the season to have like a breakout year. I think, he, you know, by the second half, he proved me right. You know, the first half he was trying. He, he had a, a bit of a knee problem all year. His knee was kind of hurting him all season. So that I think once he got figured out how to how to pitch with that, you saw in the second half he really exploded. I mean, he is 
he is such a scary competitor on the field. I mean, he's just intense as can be. He really, it's almost like he, I think an old school coach would hate it where he's in there, John, and the other team, but he, I, I love it. It fires me up. Yeah. I, I'm you, I love these picks. Yeah. Jagme Gomez is such a, <laughs> and again, such a good kid, such a good, and yeah, you can easily see him being in the rotation next year and being just a, a dude for us. You said a great TV. I, I have not had the opportunity to meet Jacob yet, but when he comes in, like you said, 100% business, that dude, I mean, just from his posture on the mound and like, he's ready to go. He's got a very uh, Ryan Moore quality to him. Like off the field, nicest, sweetest kid you'd ever meet. And then on the field, he would kick your grandmother in the teeth to win the game. <laughs> well, got to have two or three of those guys. Having, yeah. having met Noah Dean, I feel like he fits that category as well. He's, I mean, he's right there. And yeah, and does that nice, with a. He's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. His parents are amazing. But a lefty throwing 95 plus, like it's, it's not fair. It's just no, I I feel bad. I'm for very hitters. excited to see what team picks him up. I, I'm I would have to, again if he doesn't get picked in the draft and picked very high. I don't know anything about pro baseball. I mean, I gotta believe he's up there, certainly in the top five rounds. Like, if he's not drafted early, the baseball gods are looking after OU baseball. Yeah, yeah the same yeah. the same baseball gods that didn't pick us for the NCAA <laughs> tournament, but we'll go to that later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we need we need to better sacrifices to the baseball gods. I think is phenomenal. He he is such a such a talent and a guy. You know, again, I I didn't get a chance to see him much in high school. I saw him at a camp when he when he chose Old Dominion. He came to the, the summer camp and pitched, and, and I remember him being good. But I did not I didn't remember that huge fastball. I think he kind of that really jumped up a lot once he got to Old Dominion. That'd be something you have to ask him. But he wasn't he wasn't hitting ninety seven before he got here. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Was it is it me or was he hitting a huge like even more ridiculous numbers last year? Was he hitting like plus one hundred last year? I think he definitely touched hundred. It kind of depends on the gun. There, you know, our gun at ODU because I was sitting there by the the Yacker Tech that Andrew Gonzalez, one of our student managers, was keeping all year. And especially on faster fastballs, the the gun out there is sometimes about one or two miles an hour slow. So okay. he was hitting ninety nine a few times this year. That's super impressive. From a lefty, too. It's just disgusting how good that he's, is. He's got that arm kind of like Aaron Holiday where you could see, you know, within a couple of years, he's in the big leagues. I mean, I could you could very easily see yeah. Aaron. He's already in the A ball. You could see him getting to the bigs pretty quick. And he's Aaron didn't have the control that Noah had. No. Yeah. Aaron's, you know, Aaron didn't start pitching because he was a junior in high school. Wow. He was one. He, Jared Hancock, they played together. They played travel ball together. And I remember Jared talking to Jared when he was in high school, and he said, "Yes, yeah, this kid Holiday's coming." And like they say, he's a pitcher. Like he was a catcher with me last year. <laughs> so, well, that's why we have you on here, CB, because we had zero idea of that. Yeah, no, it's it's. There's a lot of funny little stories like that. Things that guys do that you just you don't even know. Finally, the, the one guy I think we need to talk about is Brock. The past two seasons, he might not have the numbers of a Matt Cooney or Andy Gariola, but there might not be a more clutch player on the team the past two seasons. I mean, in this season, he certainly got the number. I'm looking here. You got a, a left-handed hitting catcher, 310, eight doubles, 13 homers, 40 RBIs, 420 on base, 585 slamming. That's an amazing season. That would be – I mean, that's the kind of thing that 
we went through about a 10 year stretch where we only had one player hit double digit home runs. We went through before Vinny hit what 16 a few years back. We had one year in what 2014 when Ben Verlander hit 13 homers. Before that, we were having guys hit like six, eight. I mean, this season by Brock with so Connor, know, this, Connor Myers never hit over 10. Oh, no, he was not a home run hitter. No, I mean, he might have had four or five in the game. He had some, I will say he had that. I, I still have one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken was his walk off against Liberty, but no, he wasn't like a, a big bomber. No, we had most years with guys with like eight. So in my yeah. head, I remember going to watch Connor play. I mean, he was a big hitter, and I just remember him having so many great hits. In my head, he maybe he hit more home runs than I thought he did. So you were you, you know, were that lucky star, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's and that's the greatness of Connor. He was he was such a clutch good player that you know he. I, I talk about guys I love. Connor Myers is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. The guy's one of the best center fielders I've ever seen. And just, yeah, he was that clutch guy. But no, he, he really wasn't like a big bomber. He, he didn't hit a ton of home runs. He just, he would hit him in good spots when he hit him. Well, I guess if we've well, gone see, this, I guess if we've gone this far, we just continue through the lineup because so many guys have great well, years. Hey, well, hey, before we, before we move on, though, I, 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 we got to go back to Brock. Now, Brock, yeah, please. Brock hit. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say only 13 home runs. Only, but it <laughs> seemed like in the last the last quarter of the season, he. I don't. I don't have the breakdown in front of me. Maybe you guys remember, but he seemed like he was hitting them at a greater rate towards the back end and when things were most important. Well, I can tell you that's true because I know my dad was pointing out he was stuck on like eight for a while. He ended up with 13, so I think he. He did bunch those up on the last about, you know, three weeks of the season. And when you hit two big grand slams there in the end of the year, too, it really helps that uh, that clutch factor. Yeah, the season takes a toll on you. When you're back behind the plate and you're you're getting – you're on the ground, you're getting hit by balls. You're t- I mean, you take a beating, your knees take a beating, and, you, you know, you're not the smallest guy out there. And then in the conference, I mean, he, he caught tw- – what was it, 22 innings in one day and then yeah, hits two home every- runs? I mean that's that's like a story that you just you would write. It, it's not true, but it was, and we all watched it. I mean that was amazing. That's good. Yeah, he caught. I'm looking here. He started 46 of the 58 games. I mean he was he was catching constantly, and that was the most polite way I've ever heard of maybe talking about his body type. Not the smallest guy. Uh, that was great. <laughs> well, Mike and I are not the I'm smallest not. guys either. <laughs> I'm yeah. You know me. I'm not the smallest guy either. I'm so I. A big fan of a Brock's. Brock's got my kind of body type. It's the kind of guy you can see yourself in. Absolutely, and, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure he played a lot of the end of the season hurt. I mean, we saw him come around first on that one ball. Well, I don't know if it was a, a hamstring. I'm not sure what it was, but what he missed one game. I don't even know if yeah. he missed a game. He could barely. I believe it was. I believe it was his hamstring. Yeah, I believe it was his hamstring. Was real. Was it got tight and stayed tight, and he just. He worked his butt off to make sure he stayed in there. It's and that's another another one to point out. My dad said, "Well, at least it didn't affect his speed." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, funny. The funny thing about it is they were. I don't remember who we were playing. We were on the road, and the announcers clearly hadn't done their homework. Didn't know that he was hampered because he hits a ball and he just kind of leisurely going down the line, not to injure himself anymore. And they're like, "Oh, like, you know, not really He's putting gone. like a lot of effort," you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's and we're yelling at the TV. Yeah, we're yelling at the TV like, you guys are idiots. The only announcers I really enjoyed all year were the Southern Miss announcers. All the rest of them were pretty different shades of terrible at their job. The Southern Miss guys were did a that was a fun to watch. They were just guys who liked baseball. So I'm glad they'll be in the sunboat with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about the 
ESPN Plus, being able to watch every away game without having to turn on CSU, CUSA TV ever again. Yeah, get, get rid of that nonsense. But while we're going through the lineup, I, I think we need to just continue through because so many guys had so many surprising and great seasons. Wheels really came on late. And I've always liked Wheels. He's a great fielder. He's a great base runner. But his bat really came alive this year. And it was awesome to see. It, you know, it's so surprising because when I when you first got here in the fall of I mean, what I can't remember what year was it, whatever he was in the fall, he he was looked great. He was out there, he was slapping the ball to left field over and over and over again. And uh, and then he just kind of he never did that again after that fall. And I kept thinking, well, where's this guy that was, you know, just slap the ball and run, slap the ball and run. And I don't know if that was him kind of discovering who he was as a hitter and it took him a while. But yeah, he definitely once he he found this groove of this guy who I mean, he was talking to me about like he didn't like leading off early in the year when they had they had him leading off and then he went down to the bottom and then end of the year he came back to the top. And he was saying that he he didn't like that he had to wait on pitches. I think if you watch wheels and bats, when he isn't aggressive, when he takes pitches, he ends up striking out looking. And when he is aggressive, that's usually when you know, hey, you know, make might make an out, but that's when he's gonna get his hits. And so I think he that's where that second half really went good and where he was able to, to go and lead off, even though he was saying it's not what he likes, because he decided he's just going to be his own hitter. He's not going to be the guy. If he does, if he swings at the first pitch, he swings at the first pitch, you know, it's, it's 2022. This idea of what a, a leadoff hitter is, is over. You know, it's, it's be productive, get on base, hit home runs. If you do steal bases, you know, wow. I mean, let's, let's see, what's the guy he's got a 419 on base, the 520 slugging. I'll take that on my leadoff hitter every day. Right. Yeah. Like I don't need you to take walks. And what was his 20 steals in 27 attempts? I can't believe he got caught seven times. That sounds insane. And he did walk 38 times. So he's getting on base. Right. Yeah. He got on base. It's that's a, a little group. bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's, and again, this is another guy where it's like if you took any one of these guys and just out of the context of the season, that's like a, an amazing season, an all time year for anybody. So that there's so many guys in the lineup that were phenomenal. All right, then we'll go. We'll go next to uh, Katie Lavari, who uh, we know is very well regarded with the the pro prospects, but came here as a pitch, moved to the infield due to the uh, Dangler injury last year, and kind of showed us how good of a bat he's had as a freshman, and continued that even more this year. And this year we saw an even better fielder with an amazing arm. I love Kenny, man. I, I, I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over again. I, I just love this team. <laughs> it, Kenny is, you know, and I don't know that he was necessarily going to pitch. He did come in as a two-way guy and Finney's not a huge fan of two-way guys. He kind of wants you to, he thinks he'll always use the Ben Verlander argument. You pick one, right. it'll be better. I don't know that Dengler, because remember Dengler did, Kenny was already playing, splitting third base with, with Trice. Okay. Before Dangler got hurt, so I think I think they kind of decided he was going to be a hitter. I'm curious to see what his you know his younger brother Marco is committed to ODU. I'm curious to see what what he ends up doing because he's a two way guy also. But yeah, he's a you know, 2024 like, guy, right? He's yeah, so he's he's a, he's a junior right now, so he's he'll be a, he's got one more year of high school. Yeah, yeah. So he'll be on the 2024. But yeah, I mean, again, you look at Kenny's numbers, and it doesn't look like a great season, right? It's 266, 11 doubles, 66 homers, 45 RBIs. If you told me, like, I, I could never have told you what his numbers were because I, he felt so productive all year long. He Absolutely. just, he's one of those guys, he feels like he's 
making stuff happen. It was good to see that power stroke come at the end of the year, a lot more doubles, a lot more homers. I've been saying forever that when he, when, not if, but when he plays pro, probably within the first year, he's all of a sudden become going to become like a 15 homer guy. They're just going to unlock. He's going to, he's also, he's getting bigger, getting stronger. And then, yeah, having that cannon in the outfield or cannon at third base is just, and what a weapon. The number of guys who hit balls and thought like, oh, I'm going to be safe easy. And he just throws them out. It's, it's just wonderful. And big, high energy guy, always talking really into the game. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's good. Once you start having these guys, you're, you just love them. They, they all just play the right way. It's They're so just fun. dudes. They're just all dudes. I will say this. I think it was, uh, I can't remember which series it was, but I remember him making this throw that I, I think the first base ump was so shocked by, he called it safe because he just assumed it was safe. And everyone's just on him. Like, just that was clearly out. But he was, he was like, there's no way this could be safe. Or there's no way this could be out. I'm just going to call it safe because there's no way. And he, the guy was out by like two or three steps. Obviously, that brings into question the Comps USA umpires that we had issues with over time. Oof. But I'd like to believe the Sunbell umpires would be better, but you know, I don't have a lot of faith in umpires in general. So. <laughs> That's, that's you just fair. have to hit a home run every at bat, it, and then there's nothing to leave in the hands of the officials. You, you say that, but Petrosi hit a home run, and they took one away from him. So it's <laughs> yeah, but then he came right back. He hit another one. Yeah, just ask Bobby Tiquero. Yes, he did. He'll tell you all about had, it online. <laughs> I, I had such a Robbie is and Robbie is one of my favorite people on the planet too. I say I saw him last night. He's playing for the Peninsula Pilots this summer. But a few weeks back, we were talking about how much he loves that feeling of a home run. He's like, "That's my favorite feeling in the world." He's like, "If you put it in the pill, I'd be addicted." Like he just he loves it so much. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what he can do in the future. I, I'm, I remember when he got injured, he hits that amazing home run, and then he, he steps a little too hard on home plate, celebrating. And then uh, yeah, I think he might have actually heard it in the in the like the scrum. I think he didn't actually okay. do it on the plate because that, that was what originally I think that's what I thought. I think it's what most people thought. And right. if you kind of look back at the video, he steps kind of on somebody else's leg when they're going back to the dugout. Okay. Unfortunate either way. That was it was yeah, bad thing. And, but and then in conference USA, he comes up with a big hit as he's injured, which is that was insane. That was I was sitting there watching the game on TV and he's he's you know he you could see in the dugout behind, I could see he had like a bat and a helmet in his hands. I'm like, what's Petrosi doing? Why is he messing around? And then he comes up the plate and hits a home run. Just remarkable uh, feat of strength there by him last year. We got Lincoln Ransom, another guy that I, I love, and think has a bright future ahead of him at ODU. Yeah, he, he I saw he's with, speaking of the Peninsula Pilots, Petrosi's there. I saw Ransom in the lineup for them. If you guys know the Peninsula Pilots is the um, Woodbat Summer League. Plays yeah. up in Hampton, and Hank Morgan is the coach there. Wonderful, wonderful guy. They always have a few ODU guys like Brock Galliardi and Tommy Bell play there last year. A ton of guys that play there. But right now, they've got Petrosi and Ransom. I think Wheeler is going to be there probably this weekend. But, yeah, I, I just I hope Ransom gets a lot of at-bats there this summer. He is – that guy has as much or more raw power as Andy Gariola does. And he just needs a chance to, to get at the plate – put the bat in the ball, you know, kind of figure out how to make more contact because he does have a big swing sometimes, but he, he is, has all the potential in the world. I know they, he catches a lot in bullpens. It'd be, it'd be really be something if they could let him 
if they can get him to the point where he's good enough to catch in games, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I know they keep working on it. I mean, this is a kid, he, when he was a freshman in high school, he was catching uh, Mackenzie Gore, who was a senior, and who ended up being the third overall pick in the MLB draft is in the major leagues with the Padres right now. So I mean, this is a guy who's been around some greatness. Well, I, he also has the best name in uh, college baseball, I think. It's a good one. Uh, and then finally, we have to talk about Chris Dangler. He's had a lot of injuries. He's struggled uh, with his injuries of, since his great freshman season. But his fielding and then his bat, especially in the Coach USA tournament, was humongous. Yeah, Dangler is a dude, man. He is just so good. It's such a shame. I mean, he got he was on fire in the 2020 before COVID hit. And then last year, he got, what, like six games in before he, he I mean, really just tore up his, his hip. And then this year, hurt his hamstring and missed a good, you know, chunk of the middle of the season. But, I mean, you can see just if you just look at his numbers when he's in there, the guy is unreal. He's so good. Started hitting for some more power this year. Stopped being a singles guy. Hitting some more doubles and some home run. Two homer game there in the conference tournament. And like I said, he, if it wasn't for Kyle Edwards, he'd be your phenomenal shortstop. It's he's he's maybe a tick below Kyle at short. He's he's just a outstanding fielder. So he'll play second base. You have one of the best up the middle duos you could find in the whole country. And, and another guy is just a, game, a secret Jersey guy, of course, a secret New Jersey guy. Say from South Carolina, he's from Jersey. We have we are there's always secret. Secret jerseys guys on the team, but yeah, just a, just such a such a great ball. I'm very excited to see. You know, hopefully he can stay healthy. Put him in bubble wrap, keep him healthy. He can have a, a monster 2023 season. Yeah, I, I kept. I, I told his mom, I kind of hope he had he he deserves this, but I kind of related to Kyle Battles' like career. He had a great freshman season, All American, freshman All American. Struggled with injuries as a sophomore and a junior. Senior year, he comes back, he's All-American. I, I could see Chris doing that. He has a talent, clearly. And I hope he gets that healthy season to show it. Well, speaking of Kyle Battle, you know, you guys had him on. He was talking about the room. It's the room that uh, he had, the room that Kootenai yeah. had this year. The, well, the magic year, of the room. Next year, Dangler is getting the room. So we'll see. Hopefully, the room uh, keeps its magic going. Okay, CB. So you gotta let us. You gotta let us in on this. This happened. Rock paper scissors. Was it uh, some sort of uh, weird competition? How does someone go about acquiring that room? I I have no idea. That's a good one for them to ask. I mean, it might just be that he he was one of the. He's gonna be one of the older guys around. You know, he'll be a junior, but it's technically, but it's his fourth year of school. It, it could just be that. I, I, I honestly don't know. That's a great question. That's a good one for to get one of the players. I'll have to ask uh, Dengler that. And then I don't know if we co- covered him, but obviously um, Carter Trice, reigning All-American, coming back and having another great year, was benched late in the season, but super productive. Obviously belongs in the outfield. I, I, don't, I can't say enough superlatives about Carter. He's a great player. He, he is such a such a good kid, such a hard worker. He, you know, obviously he struggled the second half of the year. I mean, he was hitting about 330. He ended up at 280. So he, you know, it, it wasn't the year that he wanted, I'm sure. But it's one of those, if you look at his season, 288, 13 doubles, 17 home runs, 49 RBIs, 18 steals. That's an outstanding season. And he's probably disappointed in it, which is which is unfair. You know, it, he's such a such a good ball player. I mean, yeah, he 
he could work on. I think he, when he doesn't try to hit home run every at bat, and that's something we had to work on with Andy. Andy had to figure out how to just, you have all this natural power. If you make contact, the ball is going to fly. You're that big, you're that strong. And yeah, he, you know, for a guy who had played, only played the infield, never played the outfield, once he's got the hang of the outfield, he was doing really good out there. And I think it took some weight off his shoulders. It, he just, he likes it out there better. He can use his athleticism and use his arm. And so it's, it's good that he found that spot that he can be at and, and excel at, you know, having, you know, he, he had some struggles at second base. He did. And I don't oh, think yeah. anybody, it's not fun going to the ballpark when you feel like you're not doing really good at something, especially when you're a guy who's really good at everything. So he's going to be at the K, he and uh, Kane Lavari are both going to be up in the Cape Cod league this summer. So hopefully he can go up there and really show off and put himself hopefully. in a good spot. Hopefully they don't cut him halfway through the year like they did last year. You know, he's tearing the ball. Yeah, the, the Cape, <laughs> the Cape does all kinds of weird stuff with their with their rosters. I don't know what they're doing. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping, I'm fingers crossed, they'll get picked for the Team USA again. So yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. Uh, but because I went, I got to see him last year play a game in uh, Danville with Team USA, and that was that was really cool. It's been since Justin Verlander since the ODU guy was with Team USA. All right, so we've been through all of the hitters. Pitching, Tommy Gardner, he he had an interesting season. On the weekend at the beginning of the year, gets moved to the weekdays and ends up being clutch, getting some huge wins for us. Tommy, man, he's a gamer. He's a, he, and you know, he's one of those guys, he and Hartline and a few other guys are really big bench guys. They're really great when they're not pitching. They're really involved in the game and keeping everybody up and – I mean, if you watch a broadcast on TV, you can hear all the, the things they're saying, all the crazy stuff they say. So Tommy was, you know, even when he wasn't pitching at his best, he was he was a really huge part of the team. And he did have some big, big moments this year. He's, he's actually going to come back next year as a uh, graduate assistant coach is what that's what he told me. So, so it's nice. So just like cool. Scheffler is going to hang around and be a part of the team still. So does that Which mean Scheffler is moving on or is Scheffler still going to remain? So Scheffler, he actually started this past year as the graduate assistant coach when Sean Wood, who was a volunteer assistant coach, moved down to IMG. Steph became the, the volunteer assistant coach. So volunteer assistant coach, then then Gert will be the graduate assistant coach. Okay. So a lot of different levels of, of assistant coach that we have. We have, a, we have a special assistant to the head coach. We have all kinds of different little, little things going on. Hey, whatever, whatever we can do to have the best coaches around for these I, guys. I got a buddy of mine. I'm trying to get with uh, get with Finney and get get in there to help be like a like a student assistant coach, you know. So we're uh, whatever helps these guys and then gives them you know the best chance they can have to get information and get better. I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. So talked about Gomez. Uh, I can't say enough about who are we missing. I mean, Joey uh, DiCaro. Joey DiCero is a guy who, I mean, I mean, you got to look at that the last day of his season where he threw what three and two thirds scoreless. Yeah, he was a he was a boss on that last day, man. Yeah. I mean, he came in, it was supposed to that, and just shut it down. Yeah, I mean, that's you got you talking about lefty with a, a ninety three mile an hour fastball, all the stuff in the world. I, you know, hopefully he can do some stuff. They'll let that all be unleashed. I mean, you see, you, you mean you saw like, through his numbers and through kind of his. I mean, this is not a guy who should have more walks than strikeouts. He's He's a really good pitcher, and I'm hoping to see him break out next year and become the guy that he is. And same thing for my, my boy, Vincent Bashara, who I've known since he was like nine years old. Well, we're big fans Vincent, of his dad. His dad's awesome. Yeah, uh, the best guy, best people in the world. I mean, he'd been watching, you know, was his older brother Brian was playing for him, and Vincent was out there a little kid. 
he actually shared on Instagram last week had a, his mom had a picture of him and he was a bat boy out there running getting the bat in uniform. Oh, that's cool. Um, when he was like ten, yeah, and and then of course their his sister played soft uh, played played soccer, soccer. for ODU too, yeah. So I mean they're they're just they're the the old Dominion family. But the same thing for Bash, you know he really you know just some some good numbers as far as strike. I mean what twenty seven strikeouts to four walks that's outstanding. Just for whatever reason people were putting the bat on the ball, and that's another guy that I think can just with some gonna he's gonna find something and I think he's gonna break out next season. So we got some say, we got some really good pieces. I'll say both of them were put into some tough positions. Yeah, often. You, you come in with a bunch of guys on base, and it's kind of hard to be put into that position. And definitely, being a relief pitcher is about the hardest thing to do in sports. I think it's you. You come in, and nobody really thinks much about it when you're successful. It's like, oh yeah, you did what you're supposed to do. And yeah. when you come in, if you give up one hit and two runs, and sometimes not even your runs, it's a, it's a tough beat. And the guys who are who are good at it, it it's that, that's why like last year Jason Hartline season where he, he was so phenomenal and did that so many times it was just unreal because you're not supposed to do that I'd be remiss <laughs> to not mention Nick Pantos but I was about to say fellas we're, <laughs> how, how are we not there yet <laughs> well we're working through it Aaron Nick to me <laughs> he, he'd give up those he'd have that one sketchy inning early in the game and then he'd settled in and people would be freaked out like if you looked at the message board while he was pitching that, that one sketchy inning, they'd be freaking out. And I'd just be telling him, like, relax. He's got this. He's going to calm down. Like, he's going to get settled in. And once you guys settled in, he was a rock. Yeah, Toes has some of the best stuff of any pitcher I think I've ever seen at Old Dominion. It definitely he, – he has always kind of had that. He'll walk some guys. He'll hit some guys. We have 12 hit-by-pitches this year, 10 wild pitches. I mean, it's just – he has that, that when you have that good stuff, sometimes it, you, you're not going to have the, quite control of it. I could very easily see a pro team wanting to take him uh, this summer. He maybe not draft him, but sign him. And I think he could do very well as a pro. I, I don't know if I hope he'll get that chance. I don't know if he will or not. Um, if not, I hope he gets to play for Greece and the, the games again, because he's, he's a great kid. I mean, such a, such a nice kid. All time uh, doubles leader at his high school uh, hitting as a second baseman, which I think is hilarious because he's six, five. I would, I would love to have seen Pantos as a six foot five high school second baseman hitting doubles. That's gonna be scary for a high school pitcher to be facing a guy <laughs> like that. Josh Trujillo really came oh, yeah. strong off the bench. Great uh, fill in in the outfield. Clearly has a, a bright future ahead of him. I assume he's gonna be taking the spot that Gariola had. Or am I wrong there? You know, I mean, it's it's up to him. He, he is a weapon. He is certainly, it's like, I mean, Chris Benwood seen a lot more baseball than I have, and he said he's the fastest player he's ever coached. Um, yeah, you know, that's one of those, and we'll talk about that, I guess, when we talk about next year here in a little bit, but it's it's up to Josh. He, he's certainly, he's a really good ball player. He's got a lot going for him, and it's just going to be up to him to come in and compete and, and make sure he's a guy we can pencil the lineup. I mean, you'd love to see that guy hitting number one in the order every day and just getting on base and and causing havoc all right so going back to pitching we got to mention pops the old man <laughs> on the mound brett smith he also has those sketchy moments but for overall he had he he can come in clutch too yeah brett's one of my he's one of my favorite people on the planet i think i've known him it's definitely been over a decade because he i i first met him when his brother red brandon was pitching for old dominion 
and known him, you know, all through high school. Got to see him pitch there at Grassfield. And who would have ever thought seven years on the baseball team at Old Dominion, getting his working on his doctorate? I mean, what a what a guy. You talk about a guy who was just probably like the the emotional soul backbone of Old Dominion baseball. Uh, I hope somebody else can come in and, and fill that spot even half as well as he does. Yeah, you know, the pitching, is, you know, yeah, here and there, not great, but here and there, great. It's just one of those he – I think I, – I, I want to see the alternate timeline where he did, never got hurt because that was a guy – he'd be in the major leagues right now in that, in that timeline. It's just such a shame. And, you know, but he would never – he'd never lament that fact. He'd never worry about it. He would just talk about the things he got to do. So also out of the bullpen, we had Pete Nielsen, and who both uh, had their moments as well. Uh, well, you know, that was the nice thing about this season is everybody had their moments. Everybody had yeah. some moment. Even at the end of the day, if you're, you look at your, your final ERA and it wasn't what you wanted, everybody had those good games those good and, and plenty of them, not just one. Yeah, probably a big part of having such great players around you, it's, it's easy to have those moments. Um, yeah, when you get set up well, you're right. Trey Fisher. Another guy that will be missing next year, but he had his moments when he when he had the opportunity. Yeah, Fish is one of those. He's really good to that lefty guy, just coming out and getting lefties. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of, you know, look at Muley. I mean, Muley stepped up huge there at the end of the year. Had that three-inning game there against uh, – was against Western Kentucky there at the end of the season. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of guys that really – I think who else I'm missing. Mike, did you, did you ask about Sam? Sam Armstrong. Sunday start. Yeah. Sam to me was a kind of a conundrum. I, I thought Gomez was going to take his job half the season, but Sam kept coming along and kept fighting. Kept uh, battling. He, he's a battler. Yeah, Sam, you know, he's got a little bit of that, that Pantos in him where he'll have, he might have an inning here or there where things don't go well. He's, he's a very talented guy. I mean, with the start of the year, scouts are coming out to watch him because he's that talented. So it's just, a, it's a matter of a, like so, a few of these other guys finding that thing that puts you over the hump. I mean, you could very easily see him dominating next year. It's just. And I will say for Sam, it's easy to forget he's only a sophomore because he looks like a lot older. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's so, like, what, 6'2, 250? Something yeah, like that? A, yeah. He's a big dude. I mean, that, that is an imposing yeah, were, force staring down at you from atop the rubber. Yeah, they were calling him Chunky Salsa in the fall. I think maybe he didn't like that. I never heard that again. <laughs> That's a great nickname. That was a good one. I think he must he must not have been into it because I never heard it again after the fall. But yeah, I mean, you know, Sam is he's a he you know he was a third baseman there in uh, when he was community college too. He played he was a starting third baseman and pitcher for him in college with in junior college, which is amazing. But yeah, he's a guy. He's got all the talent in the world. He just hopefully can do some stuff here and put it together and really have a breakout year next year. That's what you want because we. We're going to need guys to step up. We're going to need a lot of guys to make some improvements if we want to have another good season. So the, I think the only guy we really didn't really touch on other than his uh, hit-by-pitch record is Tommy Bell. And, Tommy uh, Bell, guy. And how important he's been to ODU baseball over the last, what, five years? Yeah, I mean, that's a guy that when you talk about, like, what Old Dominion baseball is, I think a guy you point to is Tommy Bell. You know, he's one of those guys you're going to remember, and it's it's going to be you know, yeah on the field he was great. He he had you know was 
really good hitter, had surprising power, phenomenal fielder. I mean, you can see, you can see how slowed down he was at the end of the year. By his, he had a, his back was hurting him, his knees were hurting him. He wasn't getting the balls he normally could. But he still was making really great plays. But, you know, I think what you're going to remember is just who he was as a person, that, that quiet leader, that guy who just was going to work his butt off. And he's just – he's everything you want out of Olympian baseball. Yeah, I'm going to miss uh, hearing his girlfriend at games. Let's go, <laughs> yeah, Tommy. There's yeah. no Tommy, one, <laughs> one, one, Tommy. She stole the one, one Tommy guns from Heartline. Uh, and then I hope we see Jeff Hartline at games in the future. I hope so, too. You know, I've been – I've He's been, such a great guy. I mean, this is what now seven years I've known the hard lines. I think I met him about when he was a junior in high school and, you know, had didn't know he was going to come to Old Dominion at that time. Just, just, they were just really good people. I like, I go see Grimmar Christian Lock because Pat Nichols, the old ODU baseball alums, head coach there. And they just, yeah, I mean, Jason and Jeff are just two of the best people you'd ever meet in the world. Aaron, what did you say? No, I was going to say all the parents, you know, yeah. it's, it's been like, you know, Diane Battle still coming to the games. And she's probably seen more games than most folks. After Kyle's graduated and, you know, playing down in Tampa, it's it's great to see them out. It's great to see them, you know, continue to come out and cheer for the, the fellas that are out there. And hopefully those that are in the local area or, I mean, in her case, Richmond, continue to come because, you know, we love them as well. Yeah, that's and that's one of those things that I think is what makes ODU baseball so good is we have – these all these players, all these guys, they're such good people. And you see that when you get out, you meet their parents, you talk to their their families, and you see, well, they come by it naturally. There's not one of them that's just a, a outlier. You know, they're all the families are all just outstanding people. And you do see, I, I see a lot of uh, former players and their families at games. You know, some people maybe they didn't play, maybe they played eight years ago. And you'll see them at a game a few times a year. And it's just one of those that that's what I think makes it all so good is that these, they're just good people. And I, I love that, you know, that's the thing that the coach, you know, some coaches before Finwood, not well, the one between Finwood and, uh, and Guzzo was not as concerned about having high quality people. There were some, there were some crumb bums and there were some, some, some not so great guys in the bunch. And that's the thing with Finney, you know, if anybody's not a good dude, he, they get rid of them pretty fast. They don't, they don't last because you, we, they expect, high quality people and they really uphold that all right so we we talked about this great team and obviously the great parents of uh 2022 ODU baseball but we got to talk about what happened with the NCAA the selection committee decided we didn't have the strength schedule they decided Grand Canyon did they decided Ole Miss did and we did not. So, obviously, we can go with your thoughts on the selection process. But is there anything you think that could change with college baseball to make the process better? Or maybe even expand, like maybe we could do playing games like we have in basketball. I think, I think number one, playing games is a wonderful idea. I think you, you see that in the basketball tournament that it's just more – it's more of the – game we like the game the people who are fans of the game we want more of it so i think the the play-in idea to have you know have like uh, 68 and then the last eight play in is that's a great idea i think unfortunately yeah there's a lot of stuff you could do you could say you know these are the exact thresholds you need to meet you need to meet you need to meet xyz numbers there's all kinds of things you could do the reality i think is 
the NCAA likes the arbitrary, ephemeral nature of it. They want that because then when they want to put certain teams in, they'll put them in. And when they don't want to put certain teams in, they won't put them in. And they can just say, oh, well, yeah, this, that, the other, yeah, whatever, him, haw. They don't want to be locked into a set thing. They want to be able to put whoever they feel like in, which is frustrating. Yeah, it would be nice if, because for so many years, you thought 40 wins, top 40 RPI, you're a lot. Obviously, this year, there's a lot of stolen bids. I even feel bad for NC State. I mean, the way they got kicked out of the College World Series last year with the COVID protocols, and then they don't even get in this year with a pretty solid season in the ACC and a great RPI, obviously. But uh, we're not the only ones well, that are holding the bag under confusion, wondering why we're not there. Well, NC State still one of our recruits, so I don't feel that bad for them <laughs> in general as a, as a program. But it is true, and they clearly deserve to get in. It's – yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I my biggest argument for Old Dominion is it's just exciting baseball. I mean, you look at their they share NCAA is out there sharing all the things about top offenses and here's ODU and slugging, home runs, road record, all these things. It's like, why do you not want to see more of that team play? All you're gonna do all month is advertise home runs, and here's the team with the second most home runs, and you're not gonna have them in there. I guarantee Grand Canyon is gonna be boring and lose two games and but, you know, that might be what they want. They might just want cannon fodder for some of the better teams. Well, that, that's the other thing. It's, well, shouldn't more emphasis be put on late in the season? Grand Canyon, yeah, they had some big wins early in the season against some Power 5 schools, but they didn't run rough shot over a back conference. Yeah, it's – and, you know, and, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, like Wood Selig pointed out, our – our conference doesn't care. The CUSA leadership is not interested in fighting for their members, which is why they're losing them all. So that, that was that was a very final dose of reality for the CUSA. It was it was very much like, yep, this is exactly why we're leaving. It's like when you're breaking up with someone and then they do so that one thing, you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly why I'm doing this. Well, I mean, it's clear as day that they don't. I mean, they the conference doesn't has not exhibited good leadership across the board in many sports. This is a prime example. I mean, I listened to Wood today in 94.1, and he said it the best. You know, Conference USA was the fifth best baseball conference this year, and the Sun Belt was the sixth best. But Conference USA got two teams in, and the Sun Belt got four teams in. What's the difference? Nobody on the selection committee is from Conference USA, and the Sun Belt has leadership on that committee. And clearly, the leadership of Conference USA has made no effort to go to bat for its teams. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't know what else the conference is there for as opposed, you know, to advocate for its teams. And if Southern Miss had won the tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if Southern Miss is the only conference USA team that was in the tournament and it would be even more of a travesty. That's a that last point's a really good point. I think you might be onto something there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty insane that two teams at a top five conference only make it when you have two that basically have almost identical uh, resumes to Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech obviously gets the auto bid, but UTSA, ODU both have a lot of uh, griping to do with the NCAA. 
it's what makes it the most disappointing. You know, Finwood coming into the conference, he would say a week. He's like, you know, we need to get two wins, leave here with 40. We should be good. And he, it, that sounded correct. They leave, they go three and two in the week, 41 wins, come out better than they thought they would, and they're not in. And that's, it's just so disappointing for the team that did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, they all, they, you know, the, the biggest thing that ODU can do to make sure things like this doesn't happen is to play better teams in their early non-conference schedule. Not during the week. They clearly don't care about midweek wins. It comes down to you playing weekend series. Well, unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen just on a money thing. We The reason ODU plays almost exclusively at home at the start of the year is because they can't afford to go play places. Hard enough, the teams don't want to play that kind of dangerous mid-major like ODU anyway, but they really can't. They don't have the money to go get on the road. I mean, we could very easily say, I, I guarantee you, Carl Nunnemaker down at Auburn would help us set up a weekend series at Auburn. But ODU is just not going to spend. That's, we don't have the money to spend. We don't have the money to spend for baseball, I guess, is what it comes down to. Right. I, I feel like other sports, they make that happen. No problem. But so, so that's the thing that, that's the thing is limiting them is they, they, you know, we need to figure out a way to, put more money into it to get to get the things we want to get otherwise we're going to keep finding ourselves in this kind of situation all the time so on that note today the monarch is kicked off the second annual year of dollars for diggers where we are asking fans to match give a dollar for every home run ODU baseball hit that money will all go to the enhancement fund for ODU baseball That'll be a $128 donation. It's not much in the grand scheme of things, but if we can get enough people to give an extra $10,000, $20,000 to their enhancement fund, maybe it makes up that travel budget. Like It helps that boost that travel budget. So maybe we can take one of those series on the road at Auburn or uh, Virginia Tech or so on. Mike, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Man, we launched this thing today, what, about noon? I yeah, think that's right. Went, went, went live at noon. And since we've been recording, we went over $3,000 already within, you know, not even nine hours. So freaking great on Monarch Nation for jump on it, but we got a long ways to go. Yeah, we do. But I want to note that uh, both the defensive coordinator for the football team, Blake Seiler, and uh, head coach, Ricky Ronnie, have already given – uh, so they have really nothing to gain by giving money to ODU baseball, but they did. And I, if you like ODU baseball, I, I really encourage you to give to, and I don't want to come off as like we're PBS or something, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, ODU baseball but deserve, deserves more support from the fans. And I'd like to see your, that yeah. CB. I wanted to jump in for a second because I, yeah, I, and number one, the dollar fingers is such a phenomenal idea. It's a great, it's such a cool, great thing. And it is great to see uh, the football guys there giving. I, but I, right there on that, that note of supporting the baseball team, I really, I want to see more old dominion monarch fans at baseball games. We have gotten better attendance the last couple of years, obviously it was a good team, but you know, the football team and the basketball team, when they're mediocre to poor, they're still filling up the places. And that's awesome. We, I love, I love seeing the sport. I, you know, I, I love supporting those teams. I watch them. I root for them. But 
you know, the women's basketball team this year was phenomenal and the place was empty most of the time. You know, we, the reason other things, other schools do well at things is they're supporting all the sports. It's, you know, you gotta, you know, you, you look at Old Dominion baseball, it's the, the best program year to year in the last decade, probably for the entire school. And they're not supported like that. I would, I would, I would throw in tennis in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's my own fault for not supporting tennis enough. Right. I need to, I need to listen to my own, my own advice and go, go watch some tennis matches. Cause they are there. Yeah. The girl, Yulia there, when she, she came and threw out the first pitch at ODU and threw a, a perfect strike. That was phenomenal. She was so hyped about that. So yeah, we were hyped about it watching from rally. Yeah. Alley, man. She, yeah. So she was, I, I will add the one thing I see every, every season is we see as the weather gets nicer and nicer, we see rally alley get more and more packed. And then the nicest weekend we have is usually the last weekend of the season, and then it's gone. So yeah, it's that is such a hindrance to college baseball in general. Is I, I like to give our players, some of our players and their parents, a hard times. You know, we get so many guys from New Jersey, and they all think they're coming down to much nicer weather. And uh, <laughs> I like to give the parents a hard time. Like, oh, good thing he came down to this warm weather place, right? <laughs> so yeah, I think college baseball for most of the country would benefit itself by delaying the season by a month. It would hurt hurt uh, roster management, obviously, with transfers and all that stuff by ending the season in July instead of June. But for fan bases, for fan base wise, I think it would be a beneficial thing. And you know, um, a few years back, a few years back, they were suggesting that maybe you play college baseball in the fall. They said actually, yeah. if you started in August and played like August, September, October, it might make a lot more sense. And that was that was a it was a very different suggestion, but there was some merit to that. Yeah, going against football though, I don't know if that's a great idea. Yeah, and that's and that's the problem right there. Yeah, it's... especially for teams like Louisiana, Lafayette, and Southern Miss, where high school football is a big deal, that would probably be a bad idea because they have great attendance in Sun Belt a lot, like. That was the one thing that when we moved to Sunbelt, I was looking at their attendance numbers, comparing them to ours. We're going to be towards the bottom of the barrel, attendance-wise. Yep. Now, we were finding we're comparable. In baseball. Com- yeah, in baseball. Yeah, in baseball. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, we're not going to be at the bottom of the barrel in football and basketball, for sure. No, but uh, in baseball, we will be. And I, it's going to be tough to compete against teams that are filling up with four or 5,000 people every game. I hope we can do better as a fan base. I think the new stadium would help a lot, and I hope we can get there. Yeah, well, I, I, know, probably, I, I have my faith in, in, the, in the stadium happening. I feel like they wouldn't have put it out there to then not do it. Um, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep believing. I've, I've heard very unofficially that maybe by the 2024 season that's happening, but you know, that's all still up in the air, but I, so I, I want to see it. Aaron, you heard something from Wood today. Yeah. Today, today on Donnelly show, Wood said that they had 17 of $20 million. I didn't hear, I'm assuming he said pledged. I mean, it's probably not all at hand. Yeah, pledged. That's so that's a, that's a great, that's a great start on that. I mean, obviously the, every incremental dollar from that point forward is a harder dollar to secure, but hopefully as they get closer to that, you know, some people will step up to the plate to, to bridge the gap, so to speak. All right, well, um, I'm calling somebody out here. Justin Verlander, where are you at, buddy? 
<laughs> calling you out. That's no, you can you can make up that difference. Stop buying three hundred thousand dollar cars. Help out Old Dominion. When you got when when Justin Verlander had an ankle injury in high school and everybody else pulled their commitments, Tony Guzzo said, "No, I believe in you. I'm giving you a scholarship." And Coach Guzzo is here. He's going to benefit from the the new facility as much as anybody. So I'm calling out Justin Verlander. Drop some money on us here, buddy. Maybe you have. Feel free to let me know. So we asked this question of Coach Finwood when he was on the show. And we asked him if, if there's any rules he would change or implement. Hmm. What do you think, CB? What was his answer? He had, he had something that was good. I can't remember now. No, he, a, he just said that a lot of changes were coming. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, that's right. He was talking about all the, yeah. the transfer stuff they're working on. What would I like to see changed in NCAA? Huh. I'd make some of these teams speed up. I'm tired of watching four-and-a-half-hour games against Charlotte. Some of these teams that, that just take every single at-bat takes so long. And they have um, a pitch clock. <laughs> they had a clock that they they were not. I mean, I was sitting there sometimes from the bullpen yelling at the umpires, like, hey, man, we had a clock or not? Yeah, oh, yeah, I love their little clock, their little eight-minute clock, where it's like yeah. it was always off by the middle of the second batter. But, yeah, I think, you know, just it's speeding up the game is nice. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of huh. – So my big concern is college baseball expanding scholarships. Because one, yeah. one of the things that we have right now that makes college baseball so competitive from a low major to a high major level is there's only 11.7 scholarships available. There's guys that maybe could walk on to UVA or uh, a power program that ends up at ODU because they're getting more scholarship money. And my big concern is as these big schools realize the value of college baseball and its growth, they're going to ask for more scholarships and they're going to gobble up more of this talent and the talent discrepancy is going to grow. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a fair, that's definitely the biggest thing we talk about. That might be, I've heard possibly of unlimited scholarships coming up, which would effectively kill that competition. You may come to a point here where there's, there is, and I know they've talked about it in football. It may end up kind of happening in all the sports where there's a, there's the power five and then there's the rest of college. And maybe you right. just have to have your own, your own championship level for the rest of college. Yeah. Because you're, I mean, you're not going to be able to compete. You're never going to, if they, and it's such a shame because you know, you want more scholarships. It doesn't seem fair to have a, a 35 man roster with only 11 scholarships when they've got, right. you know, what was it like 80 for football? And I think was it like 10 or 12 yeah. for, yeah, they've got it. And then most of the basketball teams on scholarship, it just, everyone it uh, doesn't, they all are. They all are. Yeah. It's, it's 13 scholarships for basketball. Right, which is mostly the whole team. So it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem fair. But then, then the flip side of that is, well, if you up it, it makes it easier for the the bigger schools with more money to just hold on to players. Which, which then you, you question the player while you're willing to sit on the bench when you can go somewhere else and play. But it it's a very it's it's a I guess weird the, situation. I guess we would see a similar thing in baseball that would see we see in football where we see a lot of guys transferring up and down. To, to fill those spots, and we'd see a lot more movement. We do see a lot of movement in baseball, but it would get even worse if scholarships were unlimited. Yeah, I don't even know that the movement is bad. I mean, I know coaches don't like it because I think it's a control thing as much as anything. They don't like the idea that, which, you know, when the coach doesn't want a guy anymore, they don't have any problem cutting him. So I've never found that to be much of a, 
the number of guys who, you know, they get to, they get to the end of the season there and like, all right, well, thanks. Uh, good luck. Take care. And right. it's like, well, you didn't have any problem getting rid of the guy. You shouldn't have any problem if the guy wants to leave. Now you could question some of the motivations for leaving, why guys do it. But I don't have any problem with guys, everybody wanting to find their place. Now, there's plenty of guys who they've been at Old Dominion and for whatever reason they left and because it wasn't the right fit for them, they go somewhere else and had success. Sometimes at a higher or the same level, sometimes at lower levels. And it's yeah, not always the right spot for you. I would say Eric Stock is a good example of that. Yeah, Eric said Gio Rivera is a guy, you know, he – he was not, it wasn't working out at ODU and he's there with the Walter state and they're working on trying to get a Juco national championship and he's committed to uh, Oregon state and probably can get drafted. And yeah. Eric, uh, which Eric, another kid that I love, just a, such a good guy and um, doing great. At, uh, I, I don't, again, another guy, I don't understand why he's playing college this year and not playing football, but yeah. And those guys, and there have been other guys that, you know, have gone to, to smaller schools and had great success. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to begrudge people for trying to find the right place for them. It, it does raise a lot of weird, you know, complex questions, but I think that you definitely don't, I don't ever want to go back to the time where they're limiting guys saying you, you can't transfer here and I won't let you play there. And yeah, that was I bad. wasn't, I wasn't going there. I was just saying, uh, I know for coaches, roster management, it's always a struggle. Yeah. Especially well, and those same coaches are out there on the transfer wire and they're looking at guys. Like I guarantee if any of the guys and you be spending all summer trying to add people to the team. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm sure they're already working it. Oh, I, I guarantee. I know. I know. We just had a, a JUCO guy just committed yesterday, or a couple of days ago. So uh, I, was that I'm, the former Kentucky pitcher? Yeah, guy from Alvin Community College, Ron Cole, another New Jersey guy. Of course, he's from New Jersey. It's, it's prerequisite to play for Old Dominion baseball. I love Jersey, Jersey, Washington, California, yeah, and Canada, Canada, Canada. Eh? We need we need more Canadians. Yeah, we don't have – I think next year, unless we unless something changes, we have no Canadians. Kootenay's got to know somebody. I'm sure we can get a we got Jared Young, Joey Garanya. <laughs> yeah, we need guys, one, of our, one of our Canucks. If you guys are listening, please bring somebody down. All right, CB, so next year. Obviously, offense was not a problem this year, but we got a lot of offense to replace next year with Matt and Andy graduating and Brock graduating. And, I mean, obviously, Tommy, Kyle Edwards is yeah, well, that role well, but what do you see the offense looking like next year? Yeah, I mean, next year we are going to have a ton of turnover. I, I've got a list here in front of me. I've got 13 players that I'm for sure are done at Old Dominion, and then another six that, you know, they I know at least one of them is transferring out. A couple of them, I think, have eligibility left, but they may not be back at ODU for, you know, various reasons. So we could be up to 19 players that aren't going to be around next year. So that transfer out, is that A.J. Walton? Well, yeah, A.J. is is decided to transfer. I know that for sure. Is there another? I don't know. I know, like I said, I know I don't want to put names to guys because some of them have eligibility, but I'm not sure. You know, it it may be, well, maybe they graduated and they're ready to move on. Maybe – the teams already move on from them. I'm, I'm not. I'm not positive of the guys like that. Okay. I do know AJ is going to transfer out. Which I, I wherever he goes, I think he's going to be hugely successful. I, I don't. Guy is yeah. a phenomenal pitcher. He was one of the guys I was expecting to have a big role this year, but never came. Yeah. Never really transpired. It's you know he was a little bit wild in the fall, and I just never you know we have we had so many holdover guys that is just a. Just a bad time. It's unfortunate that he 
won't be sticking around to try to make it work next year. But again, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be successful. He's a really, really talented pitcher. All right. And then, yeah. Uh, so, so we're talking about the, the, the lineup, right? So we've got, we've got, you know, catcher, obviously Brock Galliardi's leading. We've got uh, Robbie O'Neill as a catcher coming in from Pitt Community College. Went to UNC Greensboro out of high school this past year at Pitt. I got to see him a couple times, a lefty hitter. He's a really good catcher, really good receiver, cannon for an arm. The bat, we're going to have to see. You know, he was, he was a pretty good hitter there at JUCO. That's one that, you know, we're going to have to see how he hits here. Noah Hill is a catcher, freshman coming in from high point. Really, I, I didn't get a chance to see him. Uh, really good hitter, though. And then Jackson Tone is a catcher from Western Branch right here in Chesapeake. And I got to see him a lot this um, this spring, and he really just stings the ball around the field. I've been told he might be an outfielder at ODU, so I don't know. But he, he's coming in. That's three lefty hitting catchers coming in. Wow. So that's uh, there's going to be a lot of competition at that spot. So that competition at catcher, does that include guys on the roster right now, Jared Hancock and Barrientos? I believe so. And again, but again, you, you know, you just don't know, you don't know who's going to be back and who's not. But as, as far as I know, those guys are part, I have them on my list here as part of the competition. And then maybe Lincoln Ransom too. Like I said, he, you know, he keeps working on catcher. He might be able to be in the mix. Did you guys know that Carter Trice was catching back in the fall? No. Yeah. That was one of the, he wanted to try it and they were like, okay, well, let's try it. And it, it, it wasn't, it didn't work, but it was, it was interesting that he tried it. It was interesting that he, he was trying to find a spot. So, it was, so that's a thing that could happen. You it can always find you. We did notice when he was a uh, bench that he was catching in the bullpen. Yep, I didn't remember doing that, but okay, but yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, and that's the thing you you never know. Like like Bryce Windham, he became a catcher a few years ago. So for all we know, there's somebody who's not a catcher right now who becomes a catcher, which is you know maybe maybe Chris Dingler is a catcher. I don't know. I, I doubt it, but you never know. He's got he's well, athletic enough. I like the idea of Lincoln being there. Just getting that bat in the lineup every day would be pretty big. Yeah, I do too. I like I like that a lot. I, again, it just comes down to, you know, can the guys do it? It's 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 an right. important position. Let's see. So then the infield, there is a a JUCO first baseman who I've been told by the coaches is coming, but I haven't seen it anywhere. So I don't want to put his name out there just in case. If he comes, it's gonna be something else. They they were calling this kid the left-handed hitting Andy. And okay. his, his numbers he had down in in the in the JUCO were really good. He was a first team all conference. So I don't want I don't want to say his name again because I haven't seen anywhere like officially written down that he's coming. But so that would that could be a really big spot at first base to, to fill in that that power gap. Yeah, that's high praise comparing him to Andy. So yeah, that was that was what the, that was Logan and, and Finney gave me that so left handed Andy. I was like, all right, I like that. That's a that's a big deal. And then Seth Keller, we got coming in from Hanover, who is a shortstop pitcher, probably going to be an infielder, like a shortstop, second, third. You know, who knows? Maybe, he's, but he he's one of those guys. He's been a, a shortstop and a pitcher there for. And Hanover is one of the best teams in the state, up around Richmond. They're working on another state championship, right? And Seth has really broken out as a pitcher this year. All of a sudden, he's throwing ninety-five off the mound. Yeah, um, I saw some uh, highlights of him. Oh. A bunch of highlights of him on uh, is it Virginia PBR? Probably. Yeah, he he had a game. He set the new record at the the National High School Invitational there in Cary at the USA Complex. Six sixteen strikeouts in a game. I mean, he's I think he had fourteen in the game last week. So he who knows? Maybe he comes in as a pitcher. I mean, he's I'm not real sure. He and he's also up there. You know, that Hanover team gets a lot of pro scouts looking at him. So he's 
we're, we're sitting here, fingers crossed that, that Seth gets to us. He's a really good kid, incredibly hard worker. So hopefully he gets to come here and, and show those skills. Let's see, we got another guy, cut Alex Bucci and Everett Cooper, a couple of Bucci's from North Carolina. I have, I didn't get a chance to see him this spring. He is probably more like a third baseman of you, kind of big power hitter. And he, and again, high school is wonderful because all that he's pitching, he threw a no hitter this year as a pitcher. Um, so you got to figure he's got a solid arm. Everett Cooper is like, Everett Cooper's interesting. He's his his dad played for Finney at VCU, and so it is, I think they were saying there was some travel ball thing that they were watching, and uh, he came up and talked to to Finney. He's like, "What's that? How does that name sound familiar?" He's like, "Oh, my dad played for you." But he's from from Maryland, but went to this Pro Five Baseball Academy down in North Carolina, which is like kind of like the IMG thing. So he's literally just he plays ball and goes to school. It's like it's like pro high school but really talented athletic guy might play the infield might play the outfield just gonna be one of those guys that's gonna do a lot of things and then a couple of really good outfielders uh caleb grizzard is a guy from cosby around around richmond also pitches he's one of those guys i'm I'm honestly not sure if he's gonna come as a pitcher or a hitter and then logan duffy outfielder from where else new jersey who uh big time big a lot of big pop play center field, broke his leg at the end of the season, unfortunately. So I think he, I don't know how long that's going to keep him out, if it keeps him out in the fall or not, but he's very good ball player. And some of our guys who we had redshirt, Bryce Jones, a really good outfielder from Cape Henry, and Joey Morton, a big, big slugging first baseman from Pennsylvania. So there's there's a lot of guys, you know, it's, it's going to be a competition. There's going to be a lot of, there's spots open. I mean, we're losing our, with our first baseman, Left fielder, shortstop, catcher. That's that's some big spots to fill. And uh, our two closers. Yeah, well then, yeah, then we start then we start getting our pitchers. We got some kind of a couple of local guys. Uh, Bailey Matello from Green Bar Christians, a big lefty, kind of very Jason Hartlineish, kind of got that same stuff. Anthony Roscoe from Indian River and in Chesapeake, big big arm, and the guy throws like low nineties. Has no idea where it's going right now. He's gonna he's gonna hate it when I say this, but he. You know, it's kind of guy he'll he'll like strike out thirteen, but also walk six or seven. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he's so another, he, you can read. It. He's another guy I've been seeing a lot on that Virginia PBR page. With great, his, great kid, great family. I, I got to hang out with him a lot this year. He's increased his velocity quite a bit this past season. Yeah. No, he he definitely can throw hard. It's it's a matter of can he throw it? Uh, can he throw it in the strike zone? Hey, CB, quick question. Yeah. So when Mike and I talked with Kyle, we talked a little bit about Finney is not afraid to play fresh if they're ready. So out of all the folks that you're talking about, is there one guy just based from uh, you seeing him on the field that you think has a chance to play meaningful time as a freshman next year? Seth Keller is the guy that really stands out to me. And then on the pitching side, a guy Ben Moore from Frederick, Maryland. Keller, the biggest the biggest thing for him is going to be, you know, where where is he getting those at? at bats is he playing you know he's a middle infielder but is he going to be there is he maybe get a chance in the outfield you know so that's my only question on him and getting is just where does he get the playing time but he's going to come in as a really like i said you're, you're worried about him getting drafted he's a very good ball player and then ben moore has got a really good shot he's a six foot five lefty throwing he guy he reminded me of immediately when i saw him this spring was adam bainbridge you guys remember from a few years back lefty for us that was really he was our ace by the end of his career and I, I came back and I was talking to uh, to Mike Mayer and I, I said, Ben Moore looks like Bainbridge, but like Bainbridge is a senior, you know, it's so Moore is really already starting at a high level 
So that's a guy I could really see coming in and having an impact. And a, a sleeper guy that I love is Stephen Trone from Leesburg up in Northern Virginia. He is a sidearming righty. Fastball is like 81, but it's all like change-up sliders, curves. It just He threw a, a perfect game last week in a playoff game. Like he's, he's going to come in and be that kind of righty reliever that can just be a change-of-pace guy. Really interesting to see see that the righty throwing sidearm eighty one, and then pair him with like the Dichiero comes in lefty throwing ninety three, or or Roscoe coming in throwing ninety three. Interesting to see what you can do with guys. So CB, I like that thought. So CB, we know we have a pretty good uh, base of hitters and fielders coming back with Carter, Dangler, Kenny, and uh, Petrosi among others. Are we going to need to wait until the, the Fall World Series before we put any expectations on these guys? You know, I we can always have expectations. I what what how closely those expectations might align to reality. Yeah, you might need to wait a bit to see. I you know I, I fully expect the guys returning. I, I believe they all should be as good or better than they were last year. And then you know you got to see you really got to see who steps up. You know you've got some guys who've been around. The program, like, you know, you got Lincoln Ransom's been there and the has been around a few years and a few of these guys, you know, Waters got to play some this year. Can some of these guys step up and really make it hard to not put them in the lineup and not have them? Jay Tarkenton. Jay Tarkenton is one of the most talented hitters I think I've ever seen. And, but he keeps, he can't keep his shoulder in the socket. He keeps popping it out and it really keeps him off the field. But that that's a guy, you know, he should be a catcher out. He's, he's a catcher who can also play center field. And but he can't get on the field because of his shoulder. So that's a guy, if he could stay healthy, and he can keep that shoulder in socket. That's a guy who is a phenomenal hitter who could be dangerous in the lineup. Well, I can't wait to see what this team looks like in the fall. I'm still kind of in a daze over what happened on Monday, but I, I'm counting down the days to the Fall World Series. We're going to see this team on the field again. I know you mentioned earlier how many guys are playing summer league for the pilots. So anyone looking to look at some of these guys grow this summer, go check out the pilots. Uh, it sounds like that's the best place. Yeah, to let me here. I'll tell you what. Let me let me give you. I got a little list. We got uh, Trice and Lavari playing up in the Cape Cod League. We got Petrosi, Wheeler, and Ransom playing for the pilots. Connor Schumann, who's a redshirt lefty pitcher. Is actually playing for Tri Cities in the same league as the Pilots. They play them a bunch, and then in the the Tidewater Summer League, which plays most of their games over at Lakewood Park in Norfolk. Luke Dawson, who is a he was a transfer this year from Holy Cross. He missed the year recovering from Tommy John. He's back now. He's going to be pitching this summer. I will um, say before before we move on, I've heard some amazing things about Luke Dawson from he, Rogers. Roger is a up. big fan of Luke Dawson. He, he was Roger, my man. <laughs> he was telling us that, like, he, he's a guy that he actually pitched against ODU before he transferred, and he, he did shut he, down. He killed, and it, it's so funny because I was I was looking back to see if I had any pictures of him uh, from when he pitched against us. And I realized I didn't. And I know exactly why because I was so annoyed. This lefty throwing like eighty two was was dominating us. So I just refused to take a picture of him. But a wonderful, wonderful guy. Luke's such a good kid and a Braves fan, so he knows he's the right kind of fan. But yeah, he's back. He's he's, he's healthy now. Him and then Kellen Davis, another guy, the red shirt, and Andrea Delatri and Luke Waters are all going to play for the Green Bar Knights in the Tower Summer League. And there may end up being some other guys there, but that's 
and that's a great little league. It's 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 a good spot for a lot of guys who like redshirt Division One kind of guys, a lot of Division Two, Division Three. If if you want, if you've watched local local high school baseball anytime in the last ten years, the last few years, you're gonna know a lot of the names, a lot of guys who. It's kind of like watching like a high school all star game every day in the league. It's really good baseball. So CB Lakewood is I could ride my bike there. What what nights do they play those games? I can I can send you a link to the schedule there. If you go to Tidewater, I think it's just TidewaterSummerLeague.com. Yeah, I think it's like it was like we could put that in the show notes for for fans so they can. Yeah, that, I think the first game is next Tuxedo. I don't think a lot of people realize the Greenbrier Knights exi- even exist. I don't think they do either because I go to the games and nobody's there except for like an occasional parent. <laughs> so it's it's a good little league. I mean, like we've uh, we've had guys there each the last few years. It's they, the teams kind of change every year, but it's it's a good little spot. Is that Wood Bat Lake? I'm sorry, say that again. Is that a Wood Bat Lake? I think they do use wood bats. I think they can use metal, but I think they mostly use wood. And while you guys were talking, I was I was looking at Luke Dawson's bio on the webpage. And how often do you have the bio of a, your player? And in his bio, it says that he spun eight shutout innings with four strikeouts at the team that he's now a part of. <laughs> you know, that's... that happens very often. I love and I love that. And that's always one of the reasons I always encourage people to you know, you can, you know, yell stuff and all, but I always encourage people to be good to the other teams that are there because you never know. We, I mean, that Nick Lestrino was a guy, an infielder we had, and he made his college debut playing at Old Dominion for Temple. And, you know, you just never know who's going to end up playing for you. And so, I, it, yeah, it is, it is a, a neat, a different thing. And that's one of those reasons I would say, like, be good to the guy. They're, they're just kid, college kids playing ball. There's no reason some, yeah. some people – really want to be mean in ways that I think are un- unfun and unfair. So we completely agree with you about being nice to the opposing players. But when it comes to Charlotte fans, uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm actually that way about ECU fans. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of ECU's fans. Well, after the, 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 the fight that almost happened in the rally alley with Charlotte fans, I, and how rude they were. I'm kind of out on Charlotte. Yeah. At least that's, my, that's my former, that's my other school that I went to before uh, ODU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed you said that earlier, but. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's one of those like, hey, I, it's been so long since I was there. I, I went there, it was like 15 or 16 to watch ODU play. And it was, I didn't recognize the place anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of what they got going in their program right now. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're good people when you talk to them, but from, from a uh, perspective of an opponent, I don't like how they're carrying themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it says a lot when VCU and ECU carries themselves better when they're visiting than, than you. We actually are rivals with those two schools, and their fans were better to us than Charlotte was this year. So, all right, CB. So, we really thank you for uh, joining us tonight. If there's anything you have to say about ODU baseball that you want fans to hear, this is your chance. You know, I really – I love ODU baseball. I Like I said, I've been going to games for a long time. Since Coach Benwood showed up, it's it's just been so much different and so much better. Like I said, I always – I never felt like I wasn't welcome, but the difference between that and feeling like you're, you're extremely welcome, you're valued, it's just – it's such a – 
a family. And I think that I feel very lucky that they let me hang around. They let me come and take pictures and, and get to know the guys and so many great and, and memorable and special relationships. And also, you know, we, we didn't talk at all. We have so many good guys in the big leagues right now. I mean, we got, you know, Connor oh, Overton yeah. hurt his back, but he's there. PJ just hit a second home run yesterday. PJ Higgins, Ryan Yarbrough is still doing great. We got Dan Hudson's on his like 2015, but he's, he's killing it. Vinny Pasquantino is the triple A player of the week. He's I, the only reason he's not in the big leagues is the Royals are dumb. So well, I actually saw the explanation for that. They got one guy they're trying to trade. And then they have another guy with a contract status they're trying to, to manipulate. And that's the only reason they're not calling Vinny up. Yeah, I mean, those are just bad excuses. Like, they're, they've got sunken cost and two bad older players they need to yeah. get rid of. You, you, you can't fix the bad contract he gave Carlos Santana. Just cut him. Right. I need to call in a favor. My One of my sweet mates from Mary Washington, I think Jen played second base at Mary Washington. He's a... Like the assistant general manager for the Royals, so maybe I could make a phone call here and make something happen. <laughs> He's probably been in the office every day telling them. I, I, my guess is everybody in the office is trying to make it happen every day. You're probably right because Jin is a—he's a smart dude, man. He got the game, so he's probably the one guy that's like, "Call Vinny up now." I will you know, say, uh, one of my Dayton favorite- Moore is a smart, smart guy. I, I Dayton Moore, the GM, I, I knew him. I used to go see Brave stuff all the time when he was working with the Braves, and he's not a he's not a dumb guy. It's just I don't. There's there's some weird stuff going on this year with that. Well, it's a cheap franchise, but I, I will also add that one of my favorite Twitter accounts I ever ran across is solely around did Vinny get called up? And yeah, I, I discovered that a little while ago too. It's wonderful. It's. Always been Vinny Pasquantino get called up today. Yeah, it's did Vinny P get called up today? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great follow because every day they'll just tweet no, or they have like a clip of like something amazing he did. No. Yeah. Then retweeting the Royals Farm Report of how ridiculous he's playing right now. And no, he's still not called up for whatever reason. But thank you for joining us, CB. I know I learned a lot tonight. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners did too. We really appreciate you giving us the time. And thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It's a lot of fun. I, anytime you want me to come back, I'd be happy to. This is great. Yeah, I think after Fall World Series, it would probably be a good time to have you back. Uh, so you can give us a recap of what you saw, what you think is going to happen. Let's do it. Awesome. And we'll see how you so see you at some of these ball games this summer. Absolutely. Yeah, please come out the pilots, man. That's, that's, the Peninsula Pilots is the best place to see baseball on the Roads. Well, I'm all in. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. <laughs>